We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. I'm still verified for now. Um, <laughs> I just read that news from Elon Musk. Uh, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. <laughs> follow me on the tweet machine. Shout out to our uh, followers on YouTube. Uh, Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. Uh, appreciate the love. Chris, talk to him. Yeah, what is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. I am actually happy to not be verified, because if they're charging dub per month just to have a blue check, I'm cool off that. I don't. It's not that serious. I'll just I'll, – it's cool. I'll take yeah. it. $20, $20 a month to be verified, dude. Yeah, Elon could kiss my ass, man. Um, but anyway, let's jump into the game. And Seahawks won 27-13. to 13. Uh, their third – they beat the Giants um, in week eight. You know, third straight victory. Um, third straight victory by double digits, which I think is very important um, because you know, that's a div- that's one reason why the Seahawks were favored in this game and the Giants were not – the Giants were banged up. Like their best tight end has like a broken eye or something. Um, but the Giants have been winning a bunch of one-score games, whereas the Seahawks have now won, uh, let's see, three yeah, three in a row by du- by double digits. Ten or more, know. yeah. Yeah, they've, they've been they've been pretty convincing um, in their last two victories, and they were convincing today. Um, they they I told my, I told one of my homies yesterday, I was like, man, bro, if you can get there, go to the casino and put some money on the Seahawks because I'm very confident they're going to win. I told him that last night. Uh, these guys, I did not. Dude, I did not bet on them, by the way. Uh, but I did pick them to win. We all did. <laughs> yeah. oh, and you well, did it in the athletic story, too. Actually, yes, she didn't. I, I finally picked it right. Our guest did not. Um, yeah. Our Charlotte, shout out to Charlotte, rolled with the Giants. But now that I was very confident. Um, I thought they were going to run the ball on these guys a little better. But it doesn't really matter. I just thought they would get it done. And the injuries to the Giants played a part. But, I mean, throwing to Wendell Robinson or whatever the hell, that's – not a recipe for winning, but Chris, I think today beating the Giants the way they did today, the team that I do think is like halfway decent, the Giants, the Seahawks are they're a real deal, man. They're they're legit. I don't know if that means like I ah, Seahawks can win the Super Bowl now or something, you know. But I just think that they're a legitimately good team, and I think it was someone. What was it? Someone in the questions last week 
asked if the Seahawks are good. Mm. And I was like, nah. I think I said no. Pretty sure. Did I say no last week? No. You didn't say no. You just wanted to – you said, I want to see how they play against the Giants. Like, that was your barometer. How do they play against the Giants after a huge win over the Chargers? Consistency. Because I asked on Twitter, I was, I said, maybe this team is good. Something to that magnitude. And then that's where you kind of brought up, okay, well, I want to see if they can do it again. If they beat the Giants, I'll have something for you. What do you say, Mike? Well, so, oh, I think the other thing now I remember now, I wanted – their point differential was still negative – um, which now it's got to be positive now because it was on the brink. What is it now? Yeah, they're plus 11, um, so which means they're outscoring their opponents by 11. Uh, the Giants are outscoring their opponents by six. So the Giants are a decent team as well, um, which is the, the Seahawks have the 12th best uh, point differential uh, in the league, which is so weird. They're still behind the Jaguars. The Jaguars <laughs> are still plus 14, and they're two and six. <laughs> unbelievable the Jaguars just beat the shit out of two teams and then just got smoked six times or just lost six times uh very weird but that's not just winning the game is not why I think the the Giants are the real deal because again they are really banged up they're missing offensive linemen their receivers all stink um but the mark of a good team I think and I wrote a little bit about this on Sunday in my story is that when the the opposition has something that you need to have an answer for and you and and you have a solution consistently week to week on both sides of the ball. That is the mark of a good team, I think. Whether it's you know shutting down um, the the Cardinals run the the type of runs the Cardinals like to get to, or their downfield uh, passing game uh, on the part of the Cardinals, or or uh, I think that's on the offensive side. Um, the Cardinals also had a really aggressive defense. Um, now that was really tricky because they were really bad on third down um, in that game against the Cardinals. But I thought that was the de- the defense just had a lot of good answers, um, which is why then I went to see it again. All right, Justin Herbert's got some throws he likes to make, and if you leave any window up the seams, Jay Herbo will smoke you. You know what I'm saying? He will get, he will kill you, and they had answers for that. You know, you didn't see Justin Herbert hitting the, the throws he liked. He didn't hit really much outside the numbers like that. He couldn't throw the ball down the field at all because they took away what he liked. They had an answer for what he presented um, and he even had an answer for him getting the ball out quick. They were batting down passes left and right, you know, against the charge. Um, and then, you know, defensively they had, you know, they, I mean, offensively against the Chargers, they easily knew what they were. It's like, all right, y'all going to come for Gino. All right, all right, here we go. We can fix that. Oh, your corner likes to do this. Oh, okay. Watch this uh, touchdown Marquise Goodwin. And they did that, you know, without DK for a lot of the game. So, and then today was a lot of the same thing. It was like, all right, they're going to try to get, Saquon the ball, and they're going to try to run with Daniel Jones. Them two cats combined for 83 rushing yards on 20, 26 carries. That's nothing. That's nothing. Um, and that's like having the answers for whatever the team pres- the other team presents like seems so simple. But look at look at when the Seahawks have lost games. They didn't do that. You know, like take the Saints game, for example. The Saints ain't got but three good players on offense. Taysom Hill. Andy Dalton, Alvin no, excuse me, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, who else? And Olave. And Chris Olave. That's it. Chris, uh, uh, Alvin Kamara had 100 yards. Taysom Hill had 1,000. And, uh, <laughs> and Chris Hurt scored a touchdown. <laughs> and Chris Olave, yeah, got concussed and still scored a touchdown. And then you look at um, the, the Lions game. The Lions are really banged up. They ain't have but two good players, Jamal Williams and TJ Hawkinson. 
and them dudes went nuts. You know, same thing with the Falcons. They ain't got but a few good players. Now, they did a good job on Kyle Pitts. Um, but they got Drake London. They got Cordell Patterson. Them dudes went nuts, particularly Cordell Patterson. Now, each week, um, and defensively, they've had some guys to deal with, too. But, like, each week, they just have something. They have an answer for whether it's a, a certain concept, a certain uh, a certain player, a certain tile, style of run, just whatever it is. They've had an answer. And when you do that week to week to week, it just gives me confidence that you can continue to do that because it's not it's not fluky. I kind of thought it was fluky for the last couple weeks, um, particularly because the offenses were just so one dimensional that they were playing already. Like the Chargers don't run it, and the Cardinals don't really run it that well either. But this these guys do run it. Now, granted, these guys don't throw it that well, but like they just had they just had answers. And every team's going to present a different challenge. Like they play the Cardinals next week, whatever. That's we already know what they're going to bring. Stop D Hop, you win the game. You know, pretty much. The Patriots, excuse me. Who do they play in Germany? Uh Bucks. The Bucks. Play the Bucks, excuse me. Not the Patriots. I was thinking of Tom Brady. You know what they're gonna do. Quick passing game, downfield shots to Mike Evans, like you know, dink and dunk to Leonard Fournette. They don't run the ball. You stop, you know, Tom gets it out quick so you know he doesn't die at age 57. Um, you know, like they have their ways, and it's just each team presents that is the short version. So I think that just having those answers, whether you know G, whether teams are blitzing or teams are doubling Tyler and DK, teams are uh, you know loading up the box, whatever. Every team's gonna have a coach or a player or whatever is gonna be like, you need to have an answer for this cat or this this scheme or whatever. Chris, what I t- what I, what number did I tell you before the game or before we was recording? Wink Martindale, the Gi- Giants DC blitzed. Put it in my story. Was it fifty three percent of the time today? That's nasty work. That is, dog. No, that is disgusting. And they just had they had answers. They always have answers because um, every play is not going to be perfect. But like they had they had the right answers more often than not. And I just think that that's that's just so impressive, man. To just consistently, it's what Bill Belichick was is really good at. You know, is okay. You you do a thing really well. Watch us shut that shit down, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, one of his be- – the best recent example he's probably had, um, I think we talked about it on one of the pods, what the Browns have been running all over people. Belichick shut down Chubb and Hunt. The Lions had ran all over everybody. They literally did not score against the Patriots. But even on the grand- grander scale in the previous years, you remember how good that 2018 Rams offense was with Goff and Todd Gurley and who else did they have? Robert Woods. Do they have Brandon Cooks too? Yeah. Yeah. They have Brandon. They was killing Cooper it. Cup. Yeah. Well, Cup Cup had got hurt actually. So I don't think Cup played in the Super Bowl. Um, I think he got hurt in Seattle, actually. But the the point I bring up with that game is like Belichick had two weeks to be like, oh, okay. A little play action, a little outside zone, fly sweeps. Okay, bet. They what they scored in the Super Bowl. Three points. Hmm. <laughs> like hmm. That that's a good that's a good team. You know, it starts with the coaching and the game plans, and then it goes into the, the execution of it and the third downs. I think we Chris, we talked about last week. Turnovers is great, they're fantastic. The defenders get to pose in the end zone. It's cool. <laughs> I love it. Yo, man, yeah, the, the, it's fantastic. Yeah, you see all types of cool shit. You know, they've done these poses. I love it. I love this little trend where everybody Throwing up gang signs and stuff, you know. <laughs> Joey, Joey Blunt just joined 4PF. Shout out to 4PF, Joey. Uh, we smoking them, baby. 
Yeah, like they do all types of stuff. <laughs> that turnovers is great. When you can get a team to punt consistently, mm. that is when you're real to me. And you told me the number before, Chris. How many? Uh, for, I didn't write it down. How many times Six did the Giants punts. punt? Six punts today or Sunday, excuse me. Six punts, man. Got like off the that, field. And a turnover on downs in the fourth quarter as well. Like that, that is impressive to me because the, the Seahawks now have like a top seven, top eight, third down defense. I think uh, I have to look that up again, but the point is they can get off the field without forcing turnovers. That's impressive. Punts, punts, get it done. Um, I think that's, that's like the most in terms of the defense, their ability to force punts, uh, limit teams to three. Chris, if, if Tyler Lockett doesn't fumble at the two, it's an ass whooping. It's a beat down today. If and t- even, Two things. If Tyler Lockett, if Ty, pretty much if Tyler Lockett has the usual reliable hands that he has, just doesn't fumble and catches that touchdown, this might be a t- this this would have been a, yeah, an ass whooping man. I, I don't I don't know what this means in terms of like long 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 term, but just right now, I think we can all confidently agree there's nothing fluky about what this, the 2022 Seahawks are doing. These cats are the real deal, man. On both sides of the ball. Pete's not going for Pete didn't even have no dumb challenge today. Thank goodness. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried, man. <laughs> when they uh I forget what play it was, but it was it was a debatable first down. I was like, yeah, Pete might just say the hell with it. What do I have to lose? I I, I might yeah. I was nervous, I'm not gonna lie. There was a couple Pete. of times I'm thinking, yeah, Pete might throw the red flag just because he don't care. <laughs> he Pete yeah. said it. Yeah, I don't I mean it's a red flag. If I get it wrong, oh well, I lose a timeout. And it's it's, it's as if Pete has forgotten over the years with Russell, he struggled with the timeout issue. It's with Geno now, he's not even worried about timeouts. That's how confident he is in his quarterback, the offense, and the defense, that he's just like, I'm going to throw a red flag. If I get it, cool. If not, we're moving on. Yeah, he don't even need to be seeing a replay all the time. He's just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I don't think he caught it. <laughs> oh, Who you know what? I thought he was going to do it on uh, Tyler's fumble. I thought that's when he was going to throw it on, on that. Man, was that the play I was thinking? I feel like there was another play. Well, because they at first ruled Tyler's fumble an interception. Which um, doesn't make any sense. Which is what the, at right. least what they announced to us. I don't know what they were saying on TV, but it was like, yep. yeah, interception, Giants ball. And I remember like, there's no way in hell that was a pick. Like, <laughs> let me see the replay. And I saw, I was like, oh, Tyler's butt is down. Or his, his butt his butt doesn't hit the ground before the ball comes out. So it's a, it's a fumble. It's legit. But I was like, watch Pete just throw this. Um and they didn't like once Pete went for it on fourth down when he was supposed to and didn't throw a crazy challenge flag. Yeah, Seahawks are for real. Solid day. Yeah, that's that's that that's legitimate, man. Like we can get into some of the details with the questions. I know we got a lot of Twitter questions, so I want to give those those questions the, the time they deserve. But yeah, that's because we uh uh one of my uh one of my homies uh he texted me today. Shout out to the homie Adam in London. He said, I'll see you in Glendale for the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, implying the Seahawks are gonna be there. I won't go that far, but my homie, uh a homie who covers the Eagles, yeah, he was like, Yeah, man, I'll see you, uh, I'll see you in Philly for the NFC title game. I'm like, Yeah, bet. That's a possibility. I see you, see you, see you there, man. There, there ain't no NFC team that scares me right now other than Philly, because Philly is nasty as well. Um, so yeah, man, these guys are the these guys are the real deal, and I'm surprised. I'm sure you are too. We did, I nope. don't think we have, this team would be five and three through eight. That's tough. I think I I think when we when everything when we realized Russ is gone, Geno's probably gonna be the starter. I thought maybe Drew. 
I had them at eight wins, eight or eight and nine. And you were like, you see eight wins on this roster, on this, on this schedule, Chris. Yeah. And you were like, let's go through it. We went through <laughs> it. And you were like, see, I told you. And I was at like maybe six scratching my head. I probably should have stayed with it. I don't think I changed it. I just didn't have an answer for you per se. I couldn't say this is a for sure win. But now I look at it and I'm thinking this team could potentially win 11 games because the defense is playing lights out. You look at Saquon Barkley. You know what the Giants want to do. They want to run the ball. They want to be physical. And there are times where you're thinking, oh, my goodness, Saquon could break out of this and get loose. That didn't happen. <laughs> it did not happen. Someone made a play every time when there was a, ooh, he can, make, he can, he can maybe make a play here, whether it be Quandre Diggs, whether it be Jordan Brooks. Guys stepped up, and they were filling their gaps, their roles. They got the job done. And then offensively, I thought they played okay. I thought they did a really good job. And when I when Ty dropped that pass, I'm thinking there's no way he's not you know getting another deep ball again. And what did they do? They run a double move on a, a Dory Jackson, and it was an easy touchdown. Beautiful pass, beautiful concept. I liked what they did there. Because there's no way they weren't going to go back to him, right? <laughs> there's just of course, of course, it's Tyler Lockett, man. That's what I'm thinking. So when when he dropped it, I was like, ah, I get it. You know, hit the face mask. He was late hands, which is a smart move to do when you're a wide receiver. You don't want to get that DB a chance to get his hands in there. Late hands, and the ball just hit him in the face mask. An error. It happens. It is what it is. Move on from it. They go back to him. It's a touchdown. I just like the composure of the team and how they played as a unit. They never got down on one another. They uplifting everybody, even when. I mean, hell, the Seahawks didn't have a great offensive day. They punted six times. Third down was atrocious. If I'm not mistaken, they went three of thirteen on Sunday. Wasn't great. Uh, on offense, let me see. I could pull it up for you. Um, I also have a fun Saquon stat for you. Um, at, at one point, uh, yeah, three of thirteen is bad. Ooh, I didn't realize it was that yucky. It was, but the defense, when the defense is playing really well, kind of forget about everything else because you know what? You're not giving the Seahawks aren't giving up points. They're still punting it and changing field position, getting field position, all that. But overall, I thought the defense has been consistent for the past three weeks. They yeah, come in. Weeks. They've done what they needed to do. They shut down Kyler Murray, shut down the Chargers, and then you saw what they did against the Giants. If Tyler, You mentioned it. If Tyler Lockett doesn't fumble the football, we are having a completely different discussion. <laughs> it is a 30 – my math says 34, 35, whatever. 33, 34 points to three or six. That's what we're talking about right now. And we're, we're having this discussion about, okay, this team might have a chance to compete for a division championship against the Eagles. That's how for real they are. And then next week, they got the Cardinals again. That's going to be a nice challenge with D-Hop coming, with the Seahawks going down and facing D-Hop, who is back from a suspension. And as you mentioned, all they do is shut down D-Hop, and who knows what could happen. So this team right now is filling the confidence. They believe they can do it. And it all starts with their head coach. In the offseason, what was he telling us? We, I, this, this team can do it. And we're all like, all right, Pete. Uh, sure, we'll 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 listen to you. But have you not been watching training camp? <laughs> they can't throw against the air. Guys are missing dudes wide open. The defense is winning all the training camp battles. How are you confident in this off in this offense moving forward? And you've seen improvement on the offense. The defense took a long time to get going, but now they're at a pace where they are all on all hitting on all cylinders and. A play that highlights that, I think, is Cody Barton, a guy that doesn't have the same snap counts because they're putting their best players out there. But in certain situations, Cody is going to see the field. It was fourth and long. The Giants obviously need it. They're down two possessions. They need to get this touchdown. They have to score. 
And Cody is just in the right place at the right time. He understands where he needs to be. He jumps up to make an interception. Unfortunately, he's a linebacker, so his hands aren't quite there yet. But what I want to touch on is the fact that he is now understanding where he needs to be. If this was week one, week two, week three, Mike, you had a stat. I think it was mm, week four after who they play week four. It was uh, Detroit. So after Detroit, you had a stat in there that said when quarterbacks are targeting Cody Barton, they're 12 for 12 for 100 plus yards, whatever the case may be. That now has changed. You now target Cody, he's going to be in the right spot and he's going to make a play. And we saw that on Sunday. And those are just a little thing. That's just one example of a player that the team didn't give up on him. He's not like he was benched. He's just not getting the same reps. Other guys are coming in and they're using different packages. We talked about the penny package now that I think we saw a couple of times on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. We saw yeah, they that. Used the, they used the penny package a lot, yeah. So with that being said, you're starting to see this team figure out where they can put pieces and how they can use these guys and maximize their ability on the field. And that's all it takes. Of course, I didn't expect it to be as rough as it was the start of the season, but I also figured it wouldn't be easy because it's a whole new scheme. You, you lose KJ, you lose Bobby, you lose a bunch of guys, and you, you're implementing this 3-4 defense you're trying to run cover three still. The corners and you're not too sure about, but now everybody's on the same page and you're starting to see it week in and week out. Yeah, my um my where's my Saquon stat? I almost forgot it. What oh uh Saquon Barkley. Um dang it, I'm losing it. I think was it, was it yards per contact? Was it that? No, it's not no. that one. Hold on, let me make sure I got I got this right. Uh I th- I'm pretty sure I wrote it in my story. Let me make sure I find it. Uh, Saquon Barkley either ran for no uh, no yards or negative yards on thirty percent of his attempts today. Mm. That I be- and I think his on average he was at like sixteen percent, so almost twice as often as uh, as usual he was getting either stuffed at the line or stuffed for like. Uh, negative yardage i think that's pretty crazy uh, yeah as a, as a stat like that if pretty much if you ran like say if you got stuffed as often as, thir- as saquon did today you'd be the worst like back in the league pretty much yeah. be one of the worst and he and he's one of the best like they they really shut him down i want to make sure i have this right uh yeah because they as a team they ran for negative yards or zero yards 20 uh 21 of the time which is also pretty that's crazy, crazy. A yeah. third of the time you don't go anywhere, you lose yards. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Now, now I gotta really find it. Make sure I got this right. I don't want to give people false information on the uh, on the timeline here. I cannot. Oh, that's why I can't find it. I got it filtered to dudes who have like fifty carries. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, because I was like, man, why can't I? Uh, why can't I not find this? Oh, uh, let's see. I think that's the stat though. Let's just let's just run with that because I don't want to spend too much time on it. Pretty much, no, I, they, sh- they shut Saquon down. And yeah, he's a very hard dude, like to shut down. Like Saquon, would you, uh, Pete called him the best back? I don't think he's the best back, but where would you he's top five? There you go. Yeah, he's probably. Ooh, that's actually kind of tough. Because top uh, ten, damn. Uh, top top five is fine. Top five is fine. Top seven, just to make it all even. Yeah, he's yeah he's probably like a top, yeah yeah top top seven is fine. <laughs> yeah, Saquon. Oh man, yeah, now nah, he got he got shut down. Now he's up to eighteen percent just off of. Oof, boy, 
yeah, he he got shut down today, man. Yeah, that was really that was really impressive. Anyway, that was my that's my stat. They just they they got in the backfield a lot. Is the is the version of the stat like they like nearly a third of the time that he was running the ball, he was going nowhere. Uh, his I long mean, hell, yards. I think we saw Bruce Irvin just. No one touched Bruce Irvin, by the way. He he blows up Daniel Jones, knocks Daniel Jones into Saquon for minus eight. You saw a couple of those plays where they just lost a lot of yards because no one had blocked said player. Yeah, that, that was probably one of my favorite plays. My second – my favorite play is the Shelby Harris chasing down Daniel Jones. I just oh, thought that, that was, was effort. <laughs> yeah, that was just effort. That was just a guy making a play. It happened in the fourth quarter, so you know uh, Shelby was dog-tired, man. Um Clint Hurt had just told us on Wednesday, he was like, Man, Daniel doesn't get caught from behind very often. Like, whoever said he runs a 4 7 probably hit the button on the timer late because that dude can run. And what do you know? Shelby, who, by the way, ran a 4 7 uh, at, his, at his pro day, although he told me he was like, Man, I was 290 when I ran that. Uh, and that was like seven years ago. So, you know, much uh, bigger now, huh? He's like, I'm 308 <laughs> right now and older. So I ain't running 4 7. Uh, but, like that, that was a really good play. You see it on the sidelines how they all just celebrated when that happened. And that was third down as well. Like that was that was just big time, big, big, big time. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big time plays, but we got some big time Twitter questions to get to. Mike, you ready? Uh, I am. I am. I am. All right. Let's kick things off with Holly at Hallberry03. The Hawks seem to have found their rhythm. Do you think the Seahawks could realistically be seven and three at their bye week? Yeah, I think that's very realistic. Um, I think they'll be favored in both of the games uh, coming up uh, in between then, the Cardinals and the Bucks. I don't think it'll be favored by a ton. Um, I'm curious to see how Vegas treats the neutral site game in another country uh, mm. with the with the line there. That'll be interesting because it's a Bucks home game, but it's not going to feel that way in Munich. Uh, but yeah, I think I think if the D line keeps playing the way that it's playing, I think that's a that's a big part. Um, they're just getting off the ball really well, get in the backfield. I think the two leading tacklers today were DBs. I want to say, uh, let's see who led the. 
What are the Seahawks in tackles today? Yeah, Mike Jackson blowing up everything. He had seven solo tackles today or Sunday. Excuse me. Goodness. Yeah, and then uh, Ryan Neal had six. Um, and then, yeah, then it was Uchenna. So, yeah, like when your leading tacklers are like DBs, was well, actually that's kind of crazy. That's probably not the best example. That's but, not a good fact. <laughs> yeah, they were, they, were getting the, they were getting off the ball just crazy today. Uchenna's a monster. Um, he's really, he's really, really good. I think the way they're getting off the ball, man, it really does start up front. Um, but they're just playing well on the back end, um, too, man. It takes, it takes the offense making really good plays for the Seahawks to give up explosives in the passing game. Like some of those Darius Slayton catches today were like, oh, all right. Tariq had one that should have been picked. That's, that's how that one is weird. I don't know how Tariq did. He goes at it with two hands and like, I think he wanted to, to bat it down. That's what I yeah. thought. He's, he's he's going at it like he I don't know how it didn't hit the ground. It was just an unbelievable play by Slate. But it takes plays like that to to get the explosives. You know, he had another one on uh, Mike Jack. It was just like, yeah, that's that's just a good play by the offense. Um, yeah, no, these guys are these guys are uh, legit. Also, I don't think either of the two teams are about to play are very good. Like we just talked about teams that are good. I think the Bucks are bad. I think crazy I think, to say. This, I think this might be it. Tom Brady is finally. Yeah, I think this. I never wanted to be somebody who was like, oh, I'm the, I, let me say Tom Brady's bad. And then he is like, I never wanted to jump the gun on the Tom Brady thing, especially after Trent Dilfer in 2014. Uh, it was just like Tom Brady's not good anymore after they lost to the Chiefs on like Monday Night Football. And it might be one of the worst takes ever. Because, um, boy, I think the Patriots end up winning the Super Bowl. Uh, after They do. They do. They win the Super well, Bowl. Well, Mike, how about this? Brady has won, what, three or four Super Bowls since then? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, that was just a terrible, terrible, terrible. I never that was that is it right there. That that was that told me like never just try to be in front of it on the Tom Brady thing. Uh, but I I think we can all see it. That, that man is he just he didn't lost his family. He's losing games. No, I'm just serious. That's that part of that's part of it too, man. That's just he don't got it together right now in any parts of his life really. Maybe other than just being a dad, but being a husband and being a quarterback, he, he's bad at them two things right now. So uh, yeah, I think and then. Uh, I don't play Call of Duty, but people keep telling me that it's, it's got, you know, Kyler Murray's attention. Uh, the, the new one just dropped. So, uh, did you see that quote? Somebody yes. had a quote about today. Yes. Was it Xavier Rhodes? Patrick Peterson? One of them, one of them Vikings DBs. Uh, do you know who it was? I can't remember now. Top my I could probably look it up. I thought, so I thought you were talking about another quote where it was a meme, basically. And they, when they brought in Robbie Anderson, someone quote tweeted and said, Kyler Murray asking Robbie, hey, what's your KD on COD, bro? Kill-death ratio? Because that's very important in Call of Duty. So I thought you were mentioning that, but this is a whole different... You know, somebody topic. on the Vikings today said something like... Said they, they made a Kyler Murray uh, Call of Duty I joke. Did. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, it was it was it was a somebody it was a Vikings DB that the Vikings beat them today. Anyway, I don't think the Cardinals are very good. I don't think the Bucks are very good. I don't think who do they play after that? The Raiders? Ra um, oh my god, Raiders are trash. Ooh, tell me I'm sorry to Sean. What am I? Uh, <laughs> I think he's, I think he's, I think he, he'll get over it. Um, but yeah, he'll, he won't, I think he's not going to come on the pod now. <laughs> no, he'll, he will, he will, but I don't think he's tripping over that. He, he's in New Orleans, man. He's living. Um, yeah, one of my fantasy teams has Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and Daniel Carson, their kicker. And I got smoked by a hundred <laughs> today oh. in that league. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't think the teams are playing it very good, so I think that's going to be part of it. So, yeah. I think okay. The by the way, legit. I found the quote. Peterson was asked about his post game celebration. Peterson said, "I think it's called Call of Duty. I'm not too much of a gamer. Heard it just came out." 
And that oh, was in response man. to his touchdown celebration, which looked like he was playing video games. Ah, okay. yeah. See, they Such out here trolling Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, I, I don't think the, the next three teams they they play aren't very good. I don't know who they have after that, but uh, so yeah, it's the Raiders. I got I got the schedule pulled up. So it'd be the Raiders, and then they have the Rams, Panthers, Niners, Chiefs, Jets. And they gotta have the Rams again in there somewhere. Um, Last game of the season, yeah. Is the Rams okay? Yeah, so they, yep. they, their schedule looks favorable in that regard too, as long as they kind of stay relatively healthy. So yeah, man, I think uh, they're legit. Best guess at Geno's next contract length and dollar signs, baby. How much? How much bread is he gonna bring in? I told uh, I sit at home games. I kind of sit next to uh, Brady Henderson of ESPN. I told Brady after the. The five play, seventy five yard drive, um, that kind of put the that the, the ends with a tire locket touchdown. I told him I was like, uh, I told my editor this too. I was like, Gino's agent needs to get on the phone with his realtor because he's gonna be able to move into a new zip code uh, <laughs> off the commission from Gino's uh, contract, even if it's three percent, three percent of a hundred million moves you into a new zip code, baby. <laughs> it it mm. sure does. Uh, I think that uh, at least yeah, three, I think it's three percent of money earned. So but anyway, whatever. Uh, my point is, I think with the front, the non-exclusive franchise tag uh, being at about 31 million for 2023, it's a one year deal at 31 million. When you're talking extensions or long term deals, it wouldn't be an extension, just be a new deal. If you're talking about a, a, a long-term deal, you have to start there on the average per year, I think. So you can't you can't offer Gino nothing less than 32 um, because like he'll, he'll just say no and just say, hey, tag me. I'm 32. I'm not old by quarterback years. I ain't played, so I ain't taking a bunch of hits. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 32. Tag me. And if, you know, and then I'll, I'll play my uh, cards out. So I think you got to start there. But you can't go much higher than that because it's just one year of uh, really good production. So I would probably guess, it just depends on how many years Gino wants to sign for, how much security he wants. But you're probably not going to get a four-year deal um, at that point because the sample size is too small. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill got a four-year deal after that big 2019 season he had. But then again, that was Ryan's third contract. So he had already got paid. Um, he was a first-round pick. He didn't play that bad with the Dolphins. So I think you probably look at three years for Geno, maybe two, if he wants to try to hit free agency again at age like 34, I think is what he would would be, um, which makes sense for him. So I would say probably three years in 95. That would be my guess if he keeps playing like this. If there's a big drop off, then obviously, you know, you don't pay him. But somebody is going to do that i think teams are going to be very desperate for someone of geno services teams that aren't going to be they're going to be bad but not necessarily bad enough to pick high to get their guy they're, they're going to be a team that convince themselves that they're a quarterback away we always see those type of teams you know pittsburgh could feel that way um who else could feel that way the commanders could feel that way the colts could feel that way you know these are teams that are bad but they're not going to have like a top five pick probably shoot didn't the commanders win today like, yeah Commander's gonna mess around and be like seven and ten or something dumb that doesn't get them in the top five. So uh those teams, I think, hell, the Giants could need a quarterback. <laughs> you know, the Giants might come back, Gino. That's what's up. You better than that Daniel Jones. Yeah, he clearly is. Um, if Tom Brady walks away, the Bucks need a quarterback. Honestly, mm. every team in the NFC South needs a quarterback. All four. <laughs> For real. The Saints need a quarterback. The uh 
The Bucks need a quarter. Will need a quarterback if actually Atlanta's okay. I think. No, I mean they can still. Mariota is not good. You think Marcus Mariota good? I mean he ain't playing. He ain't bad. No, nah, he's bad, man. He's he can bad. hold his. He's holding his own. But if you want to bring in someone, I get it. You have to bring in. He's not the answer. Let's put it that way. He's he's fine, but he's not like the long term solution, dude. I know he had a big day today, um, but he's 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 not it and then carolina obviously needs quarterback that's the whole division right there needs quarterback so uh yeah i think and i still think the lions need a quarterback um as well yeah. and so there's a lot of teams that could use a geno smith type of player the lions have a, a pretty decent roster um their coaching staff just looks like it sucks so yeah i think 395 would probably be to my guess you can go two and 64 or something two and 66 or something like that two and 65 Something around that range because the tag has to be the baseline if I'm negotiating for Gino. Gino, if you want my help, call me. Uh, like, I, if I was negotiating for him, the tag is the bottom. We got to start there if he keeps playing well. Like, if he makes the Pro Bowl and stuff, which he probably should, there's no reason for him to be like, oh, yeah, hometown discount. Give me two years, 40 million. That would be dumb uh, on his part. He's, he's, Players who perform at his level, at his age, at his position, are just worth more than than that. Like, so if he for if he was to get paid what he's worth, I know Spot Track does like a or Spot Track. I don't know how you say it actually. Now I think about it, they do like a contract estimation valuation thing on their site. I don't know what number they have. If Gino keeps playing like this, that's going to have to start. The average player is going to have to start with a three. Let's put it that way. It's going to have to that he's playing that with, and he's 32. 32 is not old. Uh, in terms of extending a quarterback. And that one was from at Fixed Cards. This next one is from at Seahawks 77389. If Geno is this good the rest of the season, do the Seahawks not use a first rounder on a quarterback? Or should we draft one, let him sit? It's going to be hard to bench Geno if he's this consistent. I'll admit, I wasn't a fan before game one. Now I'm starting to be a believer. Yeah, this is a good question. And one that I'm kind of paying attention to as the season unfolds because, yeah, if you... It's basically is is Geno good enough? That's the thing. That's the that's the way to frame the thought. If you're the Seahawks, well, that's one of the ways. Is Geno good a, good enough for us to not take a quarterback in the first round? I still think you should draft one, um, especially because Drew Locke's not going to be under contract, so you don't really have a backup anymore. Um, you can get one of these journeyman old dude backups like Sean Mannion. That's fine. I think those are valuable to have. The more I've kind of learned about what backup quarterbacks do, but I think if Geno continues to play at this level. Then you probably take like a Tennessee again would be the, the the team to kind of follow. I know I don't know if Malik Willis played well today, but it's the idea like you got a guy, so you don't got to take a guy in the first round, but you take a guy like after that. So if the Broncos are like what a six and eleven team, seven and ten, Seahawks probably get what pick forty from them. Maybe you use that pick on the quarterback, not your own first first rounder, and not. Denver's first rounder. Maybe you use Denver's second rounder. Because I thought they'd be in a position where like they gotta use Denver's first rounder or their own. Now I think they could even wait to the second round if Gino keeps playing like this. This next one is from Steve Clark at SM Keone. Is Pete on full revenge season at this point against anyone who doubted his philosophy? Ooh man. We are so lucky as a media contingent in Seattle. Part of this is local media wasn't that hard on him. National stuff was a little harder on him. And he's kind of admitted that 
uh, I think he admitted that last week, actually. They're like, he's like, you guys talking to us in the in the auditorium. It's like you guys, you guys haven't been too bad. It's like it's usually the national stuff. Maybe this was two weeks ago. Either way, Pete Carroll could come into every press conference after Geno plays well and just start screaming at us like Kirk Cousins when he said you like that. He really could every single week, and he does not. And I am thankful for that because I wrote that I am believing him and John. I wrote that I am believing the whatever combination of uh, Geno Smith or Drew Locke wrote all that uh, and meant it at the time. We talked about it on the pod. I know he ain't listening to the pod or nothing, but like he could really be having all of us eat crow every press conference. Be like, told you, I told you, I told you, and he's done it subtly. And then each week he's, he's he's building towards just being like, I try to tell you guys. One of these days, he's just going to come into the press conference wearing his national championship rings from USC and his Super Bowl ring and wear the Super Bowl hat holding the Lombardi trophy in the press conference. Like, huh, I guess I do know football, huh? Like he had a quote today where he was like, oh, yeah, people saying you know, I'm old and I don't know football anymore. And, and the games didn't pass me by. It's like, man, that, he's, he said, that's a bunch of crap. Like, look at it. We're doing fine. Um, and nobody thought they would be doing fine. <laughs> we did not. And that's the, the Pete, man, Gino, Gino was playing at a level that no one saw. Granted, I don't think Pete saw it either, but either way, he believed in him more than anybody else. So yeah, Pete, he's not doing it for the, like to, to rub it in all of our faces. You know, he's doing it to prove himself and his guys right more than he has to prove any of us media fans. Uh, coaches or whatever wrong he even talked about that today too he's like your motivation can't come just from that from people not believing in you it has to be a little bit deeper with inside you belief in yourself and he's right like a deep philosophical level but whoo, 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 he likes this Pete likes the idea of oh y'all thought we was gonna five wins huh oh you oh you thought we couldn't beat the broncos huh oh you thought we was gonna fall off without russ huh oh you didn't think gino could throw did you huh oh funny Oh, wow. Oh, you didn't think I knew defense, huh? Oh, wow. Look at that. Shutting everybody down. Yeah, he loves, he's loving every part of this. Um, and it won't stop. It won't, it, uh, it won't, if they keep winning, it's just going to get louder and louder from Pete being like, even today, he just threw his shoulders up when he was, somebody asked him about Gino. He just, he threw his arms in the air. Like, what do you want me to say? He's real. I'm trying to tell you guys. He's real. Uh, and he's right. He's right. I don't know if we owe Pete an apology or nothing yet, but I do think he is definitely, he's not the only one. There's a lot of guys on that team. Coaches, players, hell, probably dudes in the equipment staff are probably enjoying the hell out of seeing all the all the negative press and these guys that just keep winning. Who? This one is from Rostern6. Who is the player on offense that has been better so far than you thought would be? Not Geno. Ah, I can't pick Geno. Uh... Specifically on offense, huh? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I would, I would probably say Austin Blythe would be, would be my guess. Um, I have my concerns about the choice there at center, and I think that part of the reason when I talked about earlier in the show them having answers for stuff, particularly up front, I do think Austin's a big part of that. Um, Austin, Shane Waldron, the OC, Gino, they let they all they meet. They have so many meetings to get ready for all the stuff that they're going to face on Sundays. And Austin's pretty much in all of them. Whether it's blitz meetings, run game meetings, um, third down stuff, red zone, like he's there in all that stuff. So I think Austin 
Um, he's had some moments that it's like, it's, oh, that's not good. But generally speaking, he has been probably the biggest surprise on offense that is not Geno. I just think that he's played co- consistent, more consistent than I thought. Because, I mean, we in Seattle, we've been watching some center play look pretty bad. Like, we've seen games almost be lost because the center can't guard whoever the hell is on the other side. Like, Fletcher Cox has killed some dudes on the Seahawks in the past four or five seasons. You know, Aaron Donald, whoever. So, uh, I think that Austin would probably be my vote. He's He's been more integral in the success of the offense than I would have imagined when they signed him to be their starting center. I would have to say, I'll give you two guys. I'll go Charles Cross because, for one, left tackle, that's a tough position to come in and be as good as he is. And he's gone up against some really good defensive ends this season, and he's held his own. And I wasn't sure if he could, to be honest. A rookie coming in, Playing against Cam Jordan, holding him off, doing really well. Going against who? Um, who else did he go Will against? Mac last week. Will Mac, did yeah, did didn't even. Last week. Was very quiet. That's a lot of pressure. And then my second one, I would say, is Marquise Goodwin. I didn't think he would be doing anything, let alone playing. <laughs> and he is not for real. And he's out here. <laughs> no, I don't he caught a screen today, Mike, and it wasn't a penalty, and it was for positive yards. Someone tagged us in a tweet, and they were like. Look at that. A screen. Successful. And I said, you seen that? So Marquise Goodwin is definitely a another guy. So I'll give you two. Next question. Ooh, let's see. How surprising is this Seahawks team? This one's from Gabe SWH. I knew they had some guys, but I didn't realize just how many dudes this team has. Yeah, I think it's, it's very surprising. Um, I think... A couple things are surprising, and I've talked about them before. These aren't surprises, but I think that the way that Gino has played, being able to throw the ball down the field without the ball going in harm's way um, and him being accurate, like doing that on a consistent basis, that's just very, 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 very surprising. Um, and I think that surprised Pete Carroll a little bit. I think we, we should not forget here in the whole Pete Carroll's genius train. Pete basically had training wheels on, bro, on, excuse me, on Gino for like two weeks. It wasn't until two weeks into the season. He was like, huh, we should take the training wheels off this dude. He can let it rip, you know? So for the coach to even think that to make the, he didn't say training wheels. I'm, I'm putting the words in his mouth there, but you guys get the point for him to even have that sentiment after two weeks, lets you know, he's surprised too. You know, he's probably seen some throws like, oh, holy shit. He made that throw, huh? Okay. So I think that's that's been surprising. The nailing two offensive line picks in the same draft and having them pan out like immediately, that's pretty surprising. With their with their track record, it has nothing really to do with Abe or Charles. They could both pass protect in college. They could pass protect now. In just in a vacuum, that is not that surprising. Because they went to the Seahawks, the team that has had a bad, bad, bad problem drafting offensive linemen uh, who could perform at a consistent level. That part is is very surprising. I actually thought the defense would be decent. Um, I, I assume they'd have Jamal, but um, I assumed that they would be decent, like competent, uh, which I think they'll ultimately be when the numbers all average out for the totality of the season. But I think on offense, I did not think the pass protection would be this reliable, nor did I think whoever was under center, which I anticipated being Gino, uh, would be this good at just 
just being dangerous. Ah, dang it. That's going to sound like a shot at Ross. At Russ. It's not. Uh, like, he's just good. And Gino's just good. And he's becoming one of those problems that the, that the other team has to account for. And I did not see that coming. I really did not. This one is from Larry Collins at L Collins RB. How much of the Seahawks success so far is due to them playing a fourth place schedule and our two and votes versus those third and fourth place teams? Can the Seahawks keep up their success? Um, that, I think over the, over the course of the season that like becomes a factor that you play a fourth place schedule. Um, so I think who who's the fourth place teams that they're playing? I know Detroit was one. Is the is the Giants are the Giants the other one? I so think so. Last year, yeah, they were the NFC um, East. That yeah, that that, that makes sense. Um, but it's it's so teams are so different, you know, year to year. So I think that like, for instance, the Giants were six and one coming into this game. You know, they're second place in their division. So um, what you were last year doesn't necessarily mean. That, that that carries over um so yeah i think it i think it just depends you know sometimes teams are first place one year and then their, their quarterback retires or the left tackle retires or their coach their coach they got the coach gets hired their oc gets hired somewhere else so many things just can change um so I, I do think over the course of the season that's something to be interested to look back on but so many things change look at how many teams are good that we thought would be bad and how many teams are bad that we thought would be good through eight weeks like it's it's uh, the the league's pretty surprising in a lot of ways. Um, so I think that uh, that that's a little bit of a factor, but not much. I think it's more what we talked about earlier in the show. Teams have, hey, this is what we do well, and if you can't stop this, we're gonna beat you. The Seahawks are like, all right, cool, we have an answer for that. Unless it's the 49ers. they didn't have an answer for that uh, at all. And Taysom Hill, no answer uh, for Taysom Hill. But I think that's the the schedule is only like a very 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 tiny piece of the pie. This one is from Stephen Collins at first. Stephen Collins, been a long-time listener. Appreciate all the work you do. My question is, what's the Seahawks ceiling for this season? I think probably the second second round of the playoffs. If you don't lose anyone big time, uh, like when Ryan Neal got limped off, I told him I was like, "Dog, I was nervous, man. I thought you was donezo. I thought you had pulled your hammy." Um, He's like, nah, I just cramped up. Just needed some water. He's like, you got you cramped in both Cramps legs. in your hamstrings, man. Yeah, that's, that's tight. Uh, I guess that, that probably felt more like a Charlie horse. Um, I don't, dude, I like I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've had a Charlie horse before. It's bad. Uh, yeah, we were hooping. I saw it happen. It was no, I had, a Charlie, I had a, Yeah, actually, yeah, that too. But I had a Charlie horse during a track meet once when I was a kid. Um, it was terrible. I ran super slow. I finished the race, though. Uh, shouldn't have, but I did anyway. Uh, yeah, as long as no one like big time is has to miss a lot of time, uh, like like losing Gerald Taylor, I think would that would that'd be significant. That would stink. They would have to make a move there uh, if they were lose him for a, a amount of time. Uh, but I think there's the the rest of their schedule is pretty favorable. You probably still end up like 500 in the division. I think the division coaches are still really good. Um, Shanahan's really good. McVay is really good when he plays Pete. So. Um, Probably still ends up like three and three there. So what would that be? That would be like eight and five. I know going forward, that would be how many division games did they have left? Four. They so got the they Rams, Rams twice, twice, and then Cardinals. Yeah. So and I think. Niner. Oh yeah, four. So I think let's say you go two and two in those. Um, that that would get you to what seven and five just off finishing out the division schedule. Yeah, there's nothing really. I think they would get. They would have some issues 
with a team like the Eagles. That's that's pass rush is ferocious. DBs are really good and have some legit scary playmakers on offense and a dominant offensive line. The Eagles are a pretty scary NFC team. Uh, Dallas is passing defense. I could see them giving them some problems um, the same way Arizona's did uh, as well. So yeah, I think they would run. They could run into some legit uh, issues in a you know a second round uh, a playoff series. And honestly, a wild card game would be tough too. So, but yeah, they're they're a playoff team to me though. And I think that's just that statement alone is pretty pretty crazy to say through it before we even get to Halloween. This next one is from Big Ass Eyebrows <laughs> at H Sack Sailor. Um, we're gonna go with big ass eyebrows. Are we going to see Gino get an MVP vote before Russ? Uh, no, I don't think either guy will ever get one. Um, it's hard to get a vote, really, if you think about it. Um, it's it's usually just pretty obvious who the MVP is, or it's usually just between like two guys. This year, it's pretty much between like two guys, like Josh Allen, Mahomes, um, Jalen Hurts will put himself in that combo. That boy is nasty. Four touchdowns today. That boy is serious. Um, and his team is undefeated. So that, that'll that'll get you uh, votes for sure. Uh, who else? Are I missing anybody? That's that's probably it. Uh, Tua missed too many games. Otherwise, he's slinging it pretty well, too. I wish Tyreek Hill could get some votes, boy. Because he is on pace for a season. Woof. Up there with Cup. <laughs> Dog. He has had three different starting quarterbacks already and, like, still leads the, the league in receiving yards, I think. Like, he is nasty. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, – I, I think all those guys, maybe not Tyreek, would all get, like, votes over over Geno. Who, Geno's, like, in Pro Bowl category. He's not, like, MVP vote category right now. This front is from Eric Stanzik. Seahawks ran a shovel pass for a first down on fourth and two, and then later went 20 personnel and lined up Tyler in the backfield and threw for a first. With the Chiefs on the bye week, was that Andy Reid and Pete Carroll's suit, or is it just a Shane filling this out? No, I think Shane's actually done a good job um, of stealing a few things from a few different places, uh, which is good. That's what I would do if I was a coach. I'd be looking around the league and like, let me steal that and tweak it, steal that and tweak it, give me a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like, that would be my thing. I'd be like Kanye with the samples. Just like, give me a, just a piece of the hot stuff um, and just like mix it in and meld it with our, with our players. Couldn't um, use another artist, huh? How do you go with Kanye? No, nah, I see musically Kanye is still safe. <laughs> just nothing else would help is safe at all. Musically though? Yeah. No. Oh, and shoes. Kanye still makes shoes. That are dope. Um, anyway, I think, uh, I think Shane just Shane's he was he's really been good at that. I think Shoddy was too. Um and I think some probably that was some Russ influence of just like, huh, we could do a version of that. Let's try it. You know, um, and it's not always apparent. Sometimes it's like a concept, something really simple. Uh, but uh Shane's done Shane does a few things that like the Niners do. Shane does a few things that like the Rams do. He's done some things the Chiefs do. Um, even some of the runs that they've done with Gino have been some stuff that like the Cardinals do, or that I've seen the uh, the Bills do with Josh Allen, like in the red zone, uh, particularly like the uh, the touchdown he had against the Detroit. That's a play you see with like teams run with their quarterbacks, uh, like a Josh Allen uh, on the goal line. So I think Shane's low key been good at that, but it's just more noticeable with the stuff like that. By the way, I just love him going for fourth down twice on that drive. I knew you would. It. Love it, love it, 
love it. And it doesn't even look like they hesitated. It was just, and they threw. They threw on all that stuff. Like, they were really putting the ball in Geno's hands. Let me put this number out here. This is another reason why Geno's going to get paid. The Seahawks, in terms of, so this is from the homie Ben Baldwin site. Uh, it's rbsdm.com, uh, which stands for runningbacksdontmatter.com, which is hilarious. Uh, but it tracks early down pass rate um, in, like, neutral situations. So that means when the game is still, like, close and neither team is just, like, throwing it a bunch or running it a bunch, whatever. Uh, so neutral situations on first and second down. I think he also scrubs out, like, two-minute drills, which makes sense because most two-minute situations are throwing. So... In those neutral situations, the Seahawks are fifth at in the, they have the fifth highest rate of passes called. That's very, very high. The only teams that are higher are the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chargers. So the Seahawks are at 60.9%. So basically 61%. They're one of the pass ha- they're one of the pass heaviest teams in the league. They're letting Geno cook. And on those fourth downs, those even the short yardage third downs. They were putting the ball in Geno's hands, and that's just crazy to see because it's the smart thing to do. But yeah. it's just like I would have not have thought that was a smart thing to do three months ago, you know. And it's just unbelievable, and it, it was working. It was working. One of them third downs was a uh, was the, I think Marquise Goodwin dropped the ball in the end zone. Another third down was Tyler dropping a ball that would have been a touchdown. It's just yeah, it's really it's really impressive, man. It's really impressive what they're doing. Shane Waldron's in his bag right now. He's just, it's him and Geno just cooking. You gotta think of a different verb. Man, I can't just keep using cook, but they're 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 doing their thing right now. This one is from Nick McDonald. Is it time to start talking about Shane Waldron as an up and coming offensive mind? Uh I wanna see it a little bit longer. I see it a little bit longer. Um I think what I really think is not Shane is really good though, but I do think and this is just from kind of talking to some of the players. I haven't written about this yet because they don't give me enough details for me to actually make a story of it. But it sounds like the collaboration between Andy Dickerson, the O-line coach, um, and Shane is what's really making this work. Like together, they have figured out ways to have those answers that I've talked about with the whether how teams like to play their fronts or how they like to blitz or how they're playing coverage. Like it just and some of that is um Sanjay Lal, the uh, passing game coordinator, too. It just sounds like everyone's in sync. And it doesn't sound like that 2020 season when uh, it was very clear that, like, Brian Schottenheimer, Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll were not in, you know, they were not simpatico. It was not working. Um, they weren't, no one was, like, doing something wrong. They just all weren't together. Um, it feels like, the, just, again, mostly just from, like, talking to a lot of the guys and even some of the coaches, it feels like they're all together. You know, like everyone's in sync on, okay, here's the problems that the other team is going to present to us. Here's the ways that we can attack these problems based on how other teams have attacked those problems and how our our personnel shakes out. And they just have that. And I think that that's been like, I think how many times, Chris, we watch a game and something's like, oh, wow, that dude's wide open. Or like, <laughs> wow, that's a good run. Like just they're scheming stuff up at a really high level as too. I mean, some of it is just, some of these teams that just had just really bad. Uh, coverage issues but like some of it's just and then Gino is just making good checks of the line too it's just really great but I think the coaches it's not just Shane like if Shane was to like get hired or something like that Andy's out of here um out of here meaning would probably go be his OC or something like it's it feels like a real collaborative uh uh effort uh in terms of what we're seeing offensively 
This one is from Muhammad Khalif at Prez. Mm, Muhammad Khalif, we're just going to go with that. Is the <laughs> offense... <laughs> can't, I can't do the ad name. I'm not going to even try it. Is the offense a mix of Pete's philosophy and what Shane brings from McVay's Shanahan tree? Or is Pete letting Shane take over? Yeah, I think I think that that that, that pass heavy number. Lets you know the answer to that question. That it's a Shane. This is a Shane offense. Like, I, I really can't stress enough, man. Like, when it was thirteen to thirteen in the fourth quarter, and they had the ball with eleven minutes left, they called five straight passes, five, and went seventy five yards and scored. And in short yardage situations in the first half. Uh, down on the goal line, it was third and short pass, fourth and short pass, third and short pass, fourth and short pass, and this, and then this, you know, they, they they ran a couple times in there, but then this touchdown ended up being from um, Geno to DK. Like they are putting a lot on Geno's plate. This is a Geno-led offense. Um, they obviously run the ball. I think Ken had 18 touches today, uh, but I think a lot of that was garbage time just running the clock out. But still, like. They they are this is Geno offense um, and I think that is that is a that's a Shane that's a Shane thing more than it is a Pete thing. Here's part two of big ass eyebrows question: Can we put Pete in the Hall of Fame and Ring of Honor today? I promise I never say anything bad about him ever. Yo to to that yeah Hall of Fame Ring of Honor all that Pete's the greatest coach in Seahawks history. Um, I think that was already solidified though. Like he's won a Super Bowl. Hard, hard to top that. Uh, built a dynasty, and I think that uh, maybe not dynasty, but you know what I mean. I think uh, I, I'll say this. I text somebody in a group chat like before we started recording. I was like, man, if Pete messed around. Actually, I think I might. Now I think about it. I think I might have said it on a pod, maybe on Twitter or something in the off season. I'm like if Pete, Pete gets it done with Gino and rebuilds the defense, best coach ever. Not for he might be the best coach ever. Like. If he has like a top 10 offense with Geno Smith under these circumstances and then has like a top 10 defense with no Legion of Boom players on it, like mm. no Jamal Adams. I would, I, yeah. I, uh, if he had Jamal, I just I think to just to build the Legion of Boom, have zero players from that and again have an elite defense. Now, they're a long ways away from that because their numbers were just so bad to start the year. But if they end the year with a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense, Top t- uh, like with no Russell Wilson and no Legion of Boom players, yeah, Pete's job. Pete's different. That's for real. Because that's think about that. That means he would, done, he would have done it twice. Insane. He would have done it twice. He would have built the thing, torn it down unintentionally, and then built it right back up with this with is guys. this is like Jurassic Park. It just keep you just you made another dinosaur. Like God damn, I thought you was done. I've never seen Jurassic Park. Uh, really? Oh my goodness, Mike. Really, I'm disappointed in you, man. I just never saw the appeal of bringing dinosaurs back to life. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I just never (laughs) saw. I don't know how there's a sequel. Like, we didn't get rid of the dinosaurs. It's like how I feel about all the Planet of the Apes. Like, we didn't get rid of the apes in the first one. All right, four Planet of the Apes movies. (laughs) Bad movie reference because Mike ain't seen it, ladies and gentlemen. So you know what you guys should do. Have Mike do a live oh, tweet no, about no, Jurassic Park. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> watching Jurassic. No, 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 no. The Planet of the Apes, I think, is a similar comp. Because I watched I watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think that's the one with James Franco. And I told my mom, I was like, Mom, that movie sucked. The ending, all the monkeys just go to the jungle. They go to like a, a, a jungle in, or they go to the park in San Francisco and the movie ends. I was like, what? People just live their lives with a bunch of apes <laughs> in well, the park. I don't- 
I don't want to give you a spoiler, but at the end of the latest Jurassic Park, I think we're all just living with dinosaurs now. Yay. <laughs> yeah, see? No, that's, that's ridiculous. But yeah, no, Pete just keeps he just keeps doing it, man. It's it's if if he again top ten defense, top ten offense with no lead in the boom and no rush, come on, man. We gotta just we gotta kneel at that dude's feet, man. That dude's that dude, that dude's different. This one's from Tony K at Karate K eighty four. The Seahawks are one Austin Blythe injury away from being really bad at center. Would they ever switch Damian Lewis there and play Haynes and Jackson? It worked out when they moved Britt, and I was a little nervous when Blythe was out on Sunday. Appreciate your work. No, I mean, I got to watch the film again, but just, just watching the game, I, I have a note of all the drives that Kyle Fuller was in on. Um, I'd have to go back and read them all. But from what I saw, Kyle Fuller was fine. You know, I think that that was today was like really impressive from a, a offensive line per, uh, perspective because they just kept rotating. Like Austin got hurt, then he was out. But then Austin came back in, but then he went back out. And then like Phil Haynes was in, then Gabe Jackson, and Phil Haynes, then Gabe Jackson, and they were fine. Uh, it reminds me of like the, I think the 2018 and 2019 teams where it just didn't matter who was playing guard. Mike Szilard just had him coached up, whether it was Damian Lewis or DJ Fluker or Jr. Sweezy or uh, who was the one dude who had. It just didn't play at all, and then was just like money. Uh, Jordan Simmons, uh, like mm. it would just remember they were just rotating guards for a little bit there, and they were just all solid at least blocking, uh, run blocking. That is, this reminds me of that. I actually don't think they're an Austin Blythe injury away from being screwed as much as I just hyped up Austin earlier. Uh, but I think the fact that he was able to come back in and could have gone in again in an emergency is is a good sign. Because Pete Carroll kind of does like his injury stuff in terms of how he talks about severity. First, he starts with guys who get like carted off and then they have like a broken bone or something like that. He's like, oh, we're screwed. He's like, oh, this guy got carted off. And it's like, oh, oh, no, uh, the x-rays were negative. So that's that's good. So he's usually not as worried, but he's still worried about those guys. Just anyone who doesn't finish the game in general, he's usually pretty worried about. Um, Anyone who gets dinged up and comes back in, he's usually not too worried about it all. Doesn't mean they don't have anything, but like, they're pretty serious about who they let back in the game. Usually, you know, Ryan Neal, notwithstanding here, because uh, he had no business going in with two two cramped up legs. Terrible, Terrible man. Usually, though, they're pretty serious about that. So, uh, yeah, I think a, I think Austin's fine, but then b, I don't think they're screwed if Kyle has to start. This one is from at Ralph's Reindeers. How good is this defense now? Eight weeks into the season, are we leading a boom? Good right now. Um, no, no, they're not. But well, the numbers right now for the past three weeks, yes, those are Legion of Boom good. They lead the league in sacks. They only given up like fifteen points a game, which is about Legion of Boom range, uh, which is crazy. So yeah, the past three weeks, yes, is that sustainable? Probably not. No. Um, but I think the defense is probably if it continues. Again, the numbers were so bad through five weeks. You got to be really good to get those total numbers for the season up to like a respectable range. But yeah, that's really tough. So for example, I'll give you an example. The Seahawks in weeks one through five. Let's let's, let's just do this. Let's do this little theory right, right here. In weeks one through five, they allowed, how many points per game were they allowed? 30. They were allowing 30 points a game. That was the second highest number in the league, other than the Lions, who were somehow average giving up 34, which is just disgusting. All right. So in weeks six through eight, 
the Seahawks are only giving up 15 points a game, right? That's that's a huge difference. Uh, 15 points from 30, you know, in a three-week span versus that first five-week span. Still, for the season, they're giving up 24.8, which is 26th uh, in the league. So, like, this stellar run here is still only it still has them in the bottom third and at least just just using scoring defense as an example you know for the season so you got to get those numbers really far up but i think by the end of the year we're going to probably be talking about we're going to be doing a thing where we say since week six the seahawks defense blah 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 kind of how we did from like in 2020 we were like from week 10 on blah 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 we're just going to start using week six as the start of the defense actually being its real self uh, instead of the full year. But, yeah, the full year numbers will not look that great. I think this is probably going to end up like a top 15-ish defense, like above average, which I think is good enough when you got Geno slinging it the way he is. This one is from at Jeffy Rocket. What did the defensive? What did the defense do schematically to have such success slowing down the Giants? Yeah, I think they got off the ball really well. Um, I think that was that was part of it. That goes again to what they've been doing with like uh, letting their guys be more aggressive, like more one gapping, letting them shoot gaps um, instead of just kind of like holding up blocks and then reading and reacting. That's really helped uh, Puna. I think that's really helped Quentin Jefferson. It's unlocked Shelby Harris. Um, who he, Shelby can do anything, but the, the the defensive players are better when they're going forward when they can attack. Um, and now that's a big deal because if you miss. Ain't a lot of help behind you when you do that. You're out of, and you're out of position. But I mean, it's working, which is why Jordan. I mean, tackle Jordan Brooks had today. Let me see. It's like Jordan Brooks, he was not one of their leading tacklers. We already discussed that. I think he had four, three or yeah, four. Jordan had, Jordan had five tackles, which is like fine. But he at one point was at like ten a game or something like that. Uh, he was like That's second in the league in tackles. Yeah, D line terrible. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was they were getting knocked off the ball. So I think that's the it's that's the schematic change. It's letting the guys be able to go. Like Quentin Jefferson has been telling me every week, he's like, they just cut us loose, man. Like we we're going. Um, I think that's part of it. And I think this guys are there's fewer missed tackles today. Like, how many missed tackles did they have? Like, not many. Like, actually, I won't even say missed. Kobe tackles. missed one on the tight end. That was one that stood out to me. And it's it's those. I'm not even necessarily talking about in the hole. I'm more talking about like like those like open field missed tackles. Got you. They're having a lot fewer of those, um, and I think as Quentin Jefferson mentioned to me after the game, we're not having a lot of third down penalties anymore. Because mm, before true. they were having a lot. It was a hold, a illegal contact, pi something. It was always some offsides on the defense. Yeah, offsides. Like today there was one. I think it was Bruce. Bruce Irvin. Yeah, I got a little. Yeah, I think that was, Yeah, you know, but. And then they scored on that drive. I think that Bruce jumped offside. But like you look at the other drives, oh, you know, have, they have trouble scoring. Why? Because we're not beating ourselves on top of playing against the opponent. So I, as much as the schematic stuff, I think some of it is just getting down to the basics. They're tackling, um, which is huge. Getting off the ball, which is a little bit of schematic too. And then just not having mistakes um, with penalties. And and it makes sense if you look at it. Look at some of the bad things that they had happen on defense before. A lot of them was those three things. It was a it was penalties. It was missed tackles in space, uh, and it was not getting off the ball. It's not even that they had to change the whole scheme. They just started doing those three things just a lot better. Um, and if you do those consistently, yeah, like you'll be a good defense. This one is from Michael at Michael McNewhouse. 
when will Nuosu Uchenna get an extension? He's balling out. Oh, that'd be a little bit. I mean, he's he's on a two year deal. He's not on a one year. I don't know how many people know that, but um, he is balling. I don't know if it's extension time, but yeah, he's playing really well. He is a really good player, man. He is tough. Like he, I knew he would. I had a feeling, man, because he rushes from the offenses right quite a bit and i'm pretty sure their right tackle was out today i think it's their first round pick uh evan neal you uchenna is it's hard like you can probably just if you have a stud right tackle you'll be fine i think if you consistently line that guy up with him like he'll lose some he'll win some you have a backup he's like the type of guy that if you got a backup he's gonna kick your backup's ass that that's that's the type of like you can count on uchenna for that for sure you got a backup kiss it goodbye it's over um like i don't know that that's probably not worth like an extension right now but yeah he's he's playing well he has been their best defensive player this this season like he's 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 legit and he's looking like probably one of the better free agent signings that pete carroll and john snyder have ever had i think pete uh the, the top two is still going to be michael Bennett and cliff averill to the end of time but after that uchenna's like just right in the running this one is from Frank at Gang mm, Gang Gone Friend. How much of an impact did Bruce Urban's return have on the defense? Locker room leadership wise, communication. I know that he was always respected during his time with the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I think the thing that that Bruce has brought is and I was actually thinking about this, it's so funny. Pete mentioned it after the game. And it, Bruce does he's like the connection to the to the to the past but he's not like but he's not like so he's not he's he isn't all he knows like bobby bobby had only played here so like that's all the point of reference bruce had been all over and i think he could have a better point of reference um to how great the past was um because like bruce has played well for the panthers the raiders the falcons um and but yet he was on those championship seahawks teams too and just like he is part of that because i do think that's one of the reasons i didn't want bobby gone uh, one of uh, many of them is i i do think the connection to how good they were before matters on defense like just sherm being around and cam being around and doug being able to text these guys that i do think that helps with like having somebody there every day um, I do think that's important because you listen to these guys talk and they are, they're trying to uphold a standard. They sound very much like a bunch of guys who have been recruited to Alabama and they're like, yeah, there's a standard here at Bama. We win championships. Like that's how they talk about the Seahawks. There's a standard here for the Seahawks. This is a winning organization on defense. There's a way we play. And there's a bunch of big ass pictures on the wall when you walk into a facility that show you this is how you play. And Bruce makes them more than just pictures on the wall. It's real. Like Bruce is in those pictures and he's on the team now and he's producing. He's not just some like old rah-rah guy. So I think that's important to have um, because, because they are playing for that, for like to honor the, 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 the defense of the past, having someone in there who can really speak to how that shit got cracking. I think that that has value. Um, I would have kept Bobby for that same value, but like Bruce is bringing it as well. I think that is important. This one is from Ryan Turner at turns 44. Mike, you've been with this team for several years now. Each of those teams had expectations, usually saddled, see what I did there, to Russ's performances. Chemistry is such a vital ingredient to the team's success. How much fun are these guys having right now? Yeah, I think I think as much as uh, 
it, they're having a lot of fun. And I wrote about that in uh, my story, too. Like, I joked that Ryan Neal went out there with two bad legs because they were just having too much fun. Um, I think that the, it, beyond the fun, really, there's just so much trust. And you can see it. Like, you can really see it on film with someone just pointing here and then they do the thing. Or this happens and they adjust on the fly. And it's just so many little things that you could tell they're just trusting each other um, a, a lot a lot better. Um, I think I think that's huge. And then just, like, I wrote about this in my story, too, from Sunday. I think just so many different guys. When one dude is balling, obviously, obviously everyone's happy about it, right? But like, yeah. When they had six sacks the other day, a few weeks ago, it was six different dudes. They had three sacks, I think, last week. I think it was three different guys. They had five sacks today, and I think it was by four different guys. So like, and then today they had a bunch of guys who contributed on third down. Ryan Neal, Tariq, Michael Jackson, like three passes defense on, on, on third down, I think. Like, because there's so many guys in special teams as well, like, because it's so many different guys, that helps as well. Everyone feels like they're doing their job, you know, and, and once everyone feels that way, then it just builds more trust and it's just kind of cyclical uh, in that way. So, yeah, no, I think the defense in particular is having a great, a great time, man. Like, I really think that. They're all just making so many plays. Everyone's making a play, uh, and that think that's, and that's feeding into the, the offense because the offense like, oh shoot, they just got that third down stop, that sack, that pick. All right, let's go get seven. Like, I think that the defense is really fueling the offense. I don't know if I'd have to ask more guys if they feel that way, but that's kind of how I see it. This one is from Mark Petrie at Mark G Petrie. I'm guessing the locker room vibe after the game was amazing. Can you share a moment or two from the locker room today that captured the team's post-game energy? Huh. Um, yeah, there's a couple. So uh, Ryan Neal had a bunch of TV cameras at his locker. Uh, and I forget who, I think it was Michael Jackson. He walked by like, he got his cramping ass. He cramping in the middle of the game. You know, just like make, you know, making fun of him uh, for for cramping which is because it looked like he got shot the way his legs fell off and he was you know he ended up just cramping um <laughs> i walked up to i walked up to quandre's locker today he was like uh he's like you see how i hit that tight end that's how i hit oh you my, oh my goodness <laughs> what's up little guy <laughs> i said you wouldn't be able to catch me i said i run a four eight he said what that mean he said you're not quick like, I, I was like i am quick i was like i bet i am better straight line speed than i am shifty chris is shifty i'm more i'm like straight line um but anyway that like it's stuff like that uh you know like everybody's joking having fun yeah you know everybody you know like you know that that that's 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 good vibe you know even even uh quit uh quentin jefferson you know when i'm i'm walking up he's like i told you and before i even say anything he's like i told you he was like we here and it wasn't like a mean i told you because when they were playing bad all we did was say they were playing bad, which isn't unfair. They were playing like shit. It's <laughs> they obvious. Know it. It's yeah. on the field. It's on tape. We see it. <laughs> yeah, giving up thirty points a night. That's just you're bad. Like that, you know. We weren't being unfair, but yeah, I think just little little, little nuggets like like that. I tell them like, hey man, I ran four eight. I can run, but yeah, nah. If Quandre hit me like that, I'd fold. <laughs> <laughs> I would die. He hit the shit out of that tight end. Blew his ass up. <laughs> this one is from Roger Vanu. Why is this year more fun to watch than the past four years? I think that Seattle, and I've talked about this before, so I won't go on a long spiel about it, but I do think that Seattle as a city, as a sports city, as the fans, um, have an underdog mentality. 
I think it just fits who the city is more than like a New York or a LA or even Boston cities with multiple championships across multiple franchises that expect to win in any given year. Um, they just, the, the, Seattle just is kind of more of that lovable underdog vibe as a, as a fan base. I'm not really sure why, but that's, that's, a, I believe that to be fact. So I think like a season in which nobody thinks Seattle is going to be good and they end up being proving those people wrong is more satisfying than a season in which Seattle's picked to win a division and then wins a division. You know, I just think that that, 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 that identifies with the city. And I don't think that's just football. I think that's with baseball. I think that's with, the, the, I don't, the Kraken don't have doubters, I guess, but whatever. I think just in general, whatever, all the sports here, that is just something that the fans kind of vibe off of a little bit more than just being projected to win or being the favorites, you know? Like, I think that's a city thing. Uh, so that's why I think a lot of fans are probably enjoying the hell out of this um, for that reason. I think also because the Broncos aren't playing well. Um, so I think I think everyone's enjoying rubbing this in Russell's face because Russell left the city. You know, thinking they were, you know, going off for greener pastures or however the phrase goes. And he's not finding it. I know they won um, earlier this morning. But, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think it's just the identity of the fan base really identifies more with that lovable underdog more than that, like, uh, the, you know, the school bully running around knocking people's heads off. Like, people, this is more of a Rudy underdog town, uh, I think. This one is from Mr. Ayer. What two matches did you think were the most important in determining the outcome of today's game? Seahawks offense versus Giants defense. Seattle's defense versus Giants offense. Yeah, I think the blitz pickups were really important. I actually thought uh, Travis Homer was actually going to be very essential in that regard. Um, I know he blew one, got Geno smoked. Um, at least I think that was on him. I got to go back and watch it. But I, at real time, I was like, oh, God. You know, Tyler, uh, Travis just got Geno rocked. Um but I thought in the second half, they handled all that way better. I think all three sacks that Gino got, that Gino had, were all in the first half, and they were all on blitzes. Uh, I think they handled that way better in the second half. So that was the matchup I thought was very important. On the other side of the ball, it was not one player in particular. I just thought that Saquon, anytime he was in the open field, or just one-on-one with someone, was going to be a problem, had potential to be a problem. Uh and they did a good job of not even having that many situations. They had like two times, I think, where if someone didn't get him down to the ground, he was going to score. But that, yeah, that, and that was two times maybe out of like 23 touches or something like that. So I thought that that's not like one matchup, but I thought that was one particular element. It's like if Saquon gets to the point where if one dude misses, he's the, the team is fucked. They, they avoided those really well and then a couple times they were in those instances i think jordan made the tackle i think quandre made a tackle uh maybe it was kobe either way it was quandre and another guy there was like two instances and they they i thought that was very important because saquon just like ken walker is a home run hitter one dude miss at the wrong time house Touchdown. Call. yeah house call from anywhere on the field so i thought though in terms of matchups quote unquote i thought those those two things seattle did really well in this particular game this one is from Zach Gabali at Z Gabali. I feel like the Seahawks could plausibly beat any team in the NFC right now. Am I crazy? Uh, no, Zach, you're not crazy. They could beat any team. Again, the Eagles are for real. I want to make that very clear. Their D-line is nasty. They just got Robert Quinn. Their O-line is nasty. Um, their run game is really dynamic. They can throw the ball when they need to. Their D-line, they're like, they're, they're, they're secondary 
is not the secondary that DK used to cook in the past. No, no, no. James Bradbury and Darius Slayer for real, for real, for real, for real. So could the Seahawks beat the Eagles? Like if they were to play next week in Philly, uh, Philly probably like four and a half point favorites, something like that. Um, maybe, maybe more. Uh, but they would give them a fight for sure. But that's the main team that scares me. Dallas doesn't quite yet, um, but Philly for real. Philly would be the Minnesota probably too. Um, but Philly feels, seems like the scary one because, yeah, they're, they're, they're just playing well at every level, just like the Seahawks are. Last one comes from Michael Scott at Michael underscore B Scott. Which Seahawks are on track for a Pro Bowl and or all pro selection right now? Oh, okay. Michael, this is a good question. I think that uh, I actually looked up some stuff for this one. I think Geno's a lock for Pro Bowl if he continues to play like this. Uh, Tariq Willen would be as well. Uh, especially, I think, I think Tariq still leads the league in interceptions, so that's that's hopeful. Um, he had another PBU today, which brings his total to like seven or something. So uh, in terms of just making plays on the ball, let me see. Uh, yeah, he's got to have he's got to have quite a bit, like three seven a good year. I can't find the number off the top of my head, but he's got at least like three passes defense and four picks. So he's he's doing well. Uh, Uchenna, I was one I was I wanted to look up before we recorded. Uchenna has more of a thought than I than I uh, more of a chance than I thought, you know, because I I didn't realize how many edge rushers or how many just D line edge rush guys can make the Pro Bowl. Uh, so he would probably have to make it as an outside backer, and he's got a shot there. I think uh, who did I, who did I look up and find Chris? It was like he would have to get by like it'd be him, Micah Parsons. Who else that plays in the NFC? Zadarius Smith in Minnesota, Rashawn Gary in Green Bay. Uh, but that's you know I think Chandler Jones, but he's he's the AFC now. So. Yeah, Chandler, no Chandler. Yeah, Chandler wouldn't count. But like I, I think he'd be he would get different votes than like uh, Cam Jordan in New Orleans. He would be like Hassan Reddick, you know, would be in that. You know, he's playing Brian Burns uh, probably. You know, okay. is he? Uh, no, see, I think Bosa would kind of be like in the the, the D line, uh, maybe with. Uh, there's some other guys who are kind of like that. I can't think of on top of my head, like uh, Armstrong from the from the uh, Cowboys. I think Uchenna as an outside backer actually has a legitimate shot. So those are probably the only three. I think. Um, I don't think as crazy as as crazy good as Tyler and DK are. I don't think they're they're going to even come close. The receiver position, I feel like, is just. St- guys are putting up ridiculous numbers. How many receivers make the Pro Bowl? What is it? Four on each side, so eight. Yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Justin Jefferson numbers are crazy. Uh, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown went ridiculous. You know, and the Bucks aren't very good, but Mike Evans is still that dude. So, like, yeah, I think uh, DK would have to have like a monster, a couple monster games to really. And then you gotta remember. DeAndre Hawkins is back, so he's probably going to have a monster next nine weeks. Hell, he yeah. had 100 yards today. He had 156. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's. I mean, DK's having a good year, too. No, not think... to discredit him, but he's going to have to either just have a couple 100-yard games, a couple touchdowns. Yeah, yeah and you got, uh, you got, yeah, I mean, Olave's having a good year. Uh, you know, I don't think he'll make it as a rookie, but, like, yeah, CeeDee Lamb, now that Dak is back. You know, it's 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 tough. The NFC is is tough. You know, all of a sudden, DJ Moore is Megatron down there in Carolina. So, uh, yeah, that 
I think that those the three that I named, uh, Uchenna, Tariq, and Gino, have the best uh, shot. I guess outside shot for Kenneth Walker, um, too, if he keeps scoring every week. Um, but I think those the, the main those are the main three. All pro. I think the only person who legitimately has a shot there is Tariq, which is crazy. <laughs> Fifth round rookie. <laughs> uh, but if Tariq leads the league in interceptions, I think he'll make the All Pro team. He'll be first first team All Pro or, or second team. Uh, if there is a second team this year, uh, yeah, I think Tariq, which is crazy, bro. Of all the people, of all yeah, the people, that's... I guess Abe Lucas could have a shot on the uh, on the O line too, but uh, not a, not at all pro, but Pro Bowl. But yeah, Tariq is the only person I think on an All Pro track. Because remember, All Pro is you got to be the best in the league, not just in one conference or the other. So, uh, yeah. Well, Tariq's definitely gonna get his share of opportunities because he got D Hop next Sunday. The following Sunday, he got Mike Evans. Then you got Devontae Adams. Then you got Cooper Cup. Then you get DJ Moore, but they don't have a quarterback, so you never know how that might work. I don't know, so man. He, PJ Walker is slinging that thing to DJ Moore, boy. Is, you, you earlier on the show said they need a quarterback, so he can sling no, it all they, he wants. No, they, they do for the future, but, like, it's really crazy how, like, sometimes these backups, they get in the they get in and force-feed it to the best player in a way that the regular guy was not. Like, you see – you just seen Terry McLaurin's numbers with Taylor Heineke? Yeah, thank you. It's like it's like the only person that and thinks Terry McLaurin is the best player on the team is Taylor Heineke. It's crazy. Those are two of him every week now. So shouldn't have paid wins. There you go. Yeah, that was terrible. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I think Tariq's got the All Pro chances for real. He's lead the league in interceptions. You'll get it. You you will be there at the end of the year. I am almost certain of that. Well, there it is. That's all Twitter questions. Quite a few tonight, but after a huge win on Sunday. Well deserved. So we appreciate all the love, all the questions. Thank you guys for rocking with us on this latest episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We'll be back with Sam Gold for our midweek episode talking about the Cardinals and film review, a bunch of stuff. It'll be fun. Yeah, we'll it always is. Just on Seahawks for that one because um, Sam just such a good job breaking it down. I want to really talk to Sam about Gino, what he is seeing from Gino and Ryan Neal and this, and this defense. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, you got anything else? And then also Friday, we'll come back with another breakdown. And guess what? It'll be another positive review because the Seahawks won. So far, three. well, I guess the Saints game doesn't count because we just went with a good play, even though they lost. But it is what it is. We'll come back with that again this Friday as well. So, again, thanks for all the love and support. We appreciate it. We see it. And we will catch you guys later this week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.